just want to welcome you to the Made for More podcast. Uh, we are doing a new segment where we are answering questions from Sunday morning. And so uh, this is the second time we've done it yes. in this series. And so Josh is with me. Let's go. What's up? And uh, I, yeah, I we had very positive feedback from the yeah. last round of doing this. So I'm excited to do this again. We got some great questions. Yeah, there were some good ones that came in. Yeah. And so I'm excited to see how these, how these develop. So again, we can't answer every question. So thank you for all the people that ask questions. And so what we've been doing, and I, I just did this this morning, is I collected the questions and I tried to kind of create representation questions that mirror most of the ones that have come yeah. in. And uh, and the way we're looking at it, we kind of usually, at least compared to last week, we've got about three, you know, uh, space for about three questions. Yeah. So we've landed on them, and I'm going to read all three questions, and then I'm going to go back through them again, and then we'll answer them. So the, Sounds great. Initially, just to kind of give people a heads up, they can know where we're going. So the first question that I have on here, again, not going to answer it, just going to read them initially. Uh, I have friends, so this, again, is referencing last Sunday's sermon, uh, and so the context matters a ton. you got to go watch the sermon to get the context. Uh, but the question is, I have friends that know what I believe. So this person has been clear about her faith, and they know that I care. They're my friends. They strongly disagree with me. So what's next? Mm. Um, so on Sunday, we talked about, you know, bringing together how a lot of us have a tendency to either share what we believe and we're not very, you know, the people don't know that we care, but right. we're clear about what we believe right. or they know that we care about them, but they really yeah. don't know our beliefs at all. And so trying to bring yeah. together our beliefs and actual care of the person, yeah. those have to coexist. So this person's like, Hey, I'm doing it. And yeah. They still strongly disagree with me. What's next? Mm. Um, some of this, uh, some of this question came through the lens of like a parent and a child. Mm. Some of it came through uh, a friendship that existed, and so, uh, and some of it is even like coworkers where you know you you can't get away from each other. Right. And so that the gist of that. What do you do next yeah. if you're clear about what you believe and you really are trying to care mm. for the person? All right. Question number two: As a parent or grandparent, how do I counter the culture's definition of love? So what can I do to offset the continual formation that the kids yeah. are getting from the world? Uh, that's a good question. That came in different ways too. Uh, and then the third question that I hopefully we'll be able to get to, actually, I think I'm going to start with this question. I like it. We'll um, get to it then. Th we will get to it then. Um, I'm making, I'm calling an audible right now. The question is, why does culture not like love as defined by Jesus. Like, right. what is it that the culture finds so offensive about the church and Jesus Christ? Right. And um, what was interesting about this question, it came through in a number of different ways. Uh, but what was interesting about this is w one of the people who filled out the card, I'm 99% sure I know who it is. <laughs> and it's a wonderful, great young adult who's been in the church her whole life. Mm-hmm. And so her whole life, she's been reading about the love of Jesus and the healing of the sick and the care for the poor and how many stories, the Mother Teresa's right. of Calcutta. And right. why does the world hate Christianity? Like, what, what, why do they not like us? Right. And so um, I want to start with that question. That's good. Because yeah. I think it's a really, yeah. that's a really legitimate question. Right. Um, especially as Christians, we're going to look at this and we're going right. to think, why? Why, why would you? I mean, the, right. Jesus is amazing. He's healing people. Yeah. I mean, he's providing for the, the sick, the last, the lost, the least, and it ends with him hanging on a cross. Yeah. Why? All right. So, Josh, initial thoughts, what comes to mind? 
Yeah, man, that's a great question. That's a that's a big question too. Um, I think how we were starting last week, I like that idea, which is just talking about what's the cultural Culture. kind yep. of understanding right now. And so I think the cultural understanding, uh, like we've been saying in the past couple weeks in our services, is that love means permission. So the most loving thing to do is the most permissive thing to do. So when the culture is looking at Christians, you know, and uh, what we're doing, um, if we are inhibiting people from doing what they want in any way, I think that is seen as oppressive or yeah. um, suppressive or abusive, you know, and there's lots of different words that get used for it. But basically, like telling someone no, no. yeah, it can be seen as just a horrible thing to do. And over time, if your understanding of love is permission and continues to go down that road, then it just seems like the people who are saying no, they're just mean, you know, yeah. and, and terrible. And I think that's kind of what's happening to um, faith and Christianity is they're seen as these mean, you know, wag your finger at somebody and tell them no. Yeah, and I, it, you're right. And we, and we establish this pretty strong. If you've not heard the sermons on this very same podcast, go back a couple of weeks, yeah. and then even last yep. week, and we kind of explained why we believe the world interprets love as permission yes. for the most part. So um, if you love me, you'll let me do express my sexuality how I want. Right. You'll let me, um, you know, do what I want to do with my life, spend it how my money, how I want to spend it. Yeah. You know, um, so in our modern culture, modern Western culture, right. This isn't necessarily true. And I think like Asian cultures and honor system is different. Yeah, it's a little different. But in the West, the way we have tactically, uh, embrace the idea of love at a cultural level is permission. Yes, and I think so, defining what we mean by love and then also maybe defining what we mean by, like, suffering or what what we think is, you know, uh, abusive or terrible. Both of those are really important because if your definition of love is permission and then your definition of suffering and, like, is I'm not getting my the way. thing that I want, I'm not getting my way, I am in deep suffering or turmoil – then it could seem like a Christian's approach is to cause people to suffer yeah. and not love them. Yeah. You know, and the wild thing in all of this, especially when you look at it through the lens of Jesus, is he was doing all these great things for people continually. Yeah, I absolutely. Mean, the lame walk, the blind see, yeah. the dead rise again. Yep. Um, feeding the 5,000, I mean, just miracle after miracle, um, more than can be accounted for, the scripture right. says. And so in all of these good things, they still hang Jesus on a tree and want him dead. Yes. Because he didn't only do good things for people like that they wanted, which was yes. not have leprosy anymore. Yep. He also told them, I am the way. Yeah. Yeah. He also like turned tables in, you know, the temple, which I think is the decisive action that gets him killed. Yeah. And that was right and good and loving. He doesn't do things that are not. Right, and and it's 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 difficult to to I mean, like we have to understand in our minds uh, what is most loving biblically, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago in the yeah. sermon, and even in the podcast last week discussed this a little bit. What is most loving from a biblical perspective is not most permissive. Right, it is working to what is most objectively good to you as defined by God Himself. Yeah, yeah, um, and that's important. The other the other thing that comes to my mind with this too that I think is. 
we, in, especially in the West, we really minimize, and, and I know I can sound kind of sensational and all this, and uh, but it's it's true. There is very real spiritual warfare that happens. Yeah. And there is a real deceiver and a yeah. real enemy who is absolutely working uh, to fight against uh, God and his ways yeah. and his nature. Yeah. And there is there is no version of Christianity this side, like in the church age, this yeah. side of God's return, yeah. uh, there is no version of Christianity that will not go unmet with spiritual warfare. Yeah, absolutely. It just, it, it will. Yeah, and part of that warfare is like misinterpretation. So the enemy doing... Um, I, Mark Sayers, he makes this parallel of spiritual warfare as disinformation. Yeah. So the enemy is running a disinformation campaign against God's people right. all the time and all over the place, causing misunderstanding. So trying to make it look like the things that and we're doing to share the gospel and to love people are actually oppressive and actually evil and actually, you know, unkind. And, and what we're, but from, and, and cause like at a grand biblical level, we are not oppressing them. We're breaking their chains from hell. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And one way we've talked about this before, I think a culturally understood version of this is still something like Alcoholics Anonymous or rehab or detox. We see that kind of pain as actually leading to a good end. A better end. Yes, and leading to redemption. But we aren't willing to take that same lens and look at other situations and say, might other things also be painful and lead us to a redemptive end? Yeah, and because we, we, the the kind of, I mean, the quintessential, the, the love as most perfectly defined ever in human history through the lens of Christianity was Jesus suffering on a cross. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, like, there is no stronger model of love. Yes. You know, I will give all of myself to rescue yes. you, even because, I mean, think about what he says on the cross. He says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know. Yeah. So I am going to give all of me yep. to help keep you from something you think you want, but yeah. you really don't if you knew what was actually going on. <laughs> that's right. And yeah. That is the reason, I mean, the spiritual warfare piece, yeah. and that is the reason why people hate Christians, because yeah. Christians, Christianity rightly expressed is, I'm going to, you know, give a meal to the person that cannot yeah. eat. Um, I want to take care of the last, the lost, the least, yeah. and the homeless, and heal, and be there, and give my own life, yeah. if necessary, uh, uh, to meet the even the basic needs yeah. of individuals. <laughs> but I will also be very clear about why I do that. Yes, and maybe a succinct way to kind of directly answer the question why the culture thinks the way it does about Christianity is um, if we live in a culture, which we do, that celebrates self and celebrates our own decisions and autonomy and desires. And we are really perpetuating a faith that believes in self-denial. That's right. That's at odds. Yeah. And, and man, and like, then we, we, the other side of this thing is we fast forward through the human story. So now you have like, you know, the return of Christ or us making it in the heaven, the new, the new heavens and the new earth, you know, revelation 21, four, wipe every tear from their eye. Um, the end game for humanity, for people that love Jesus, when your heart is made new through the work of Jesus Christ, there is a perfection coming for you that is yeah. better than any temporary, skewed, momentary sexual pleasure, Absolutely. spending of money. Yeah. And so 
the reason Christians are so passionate about putting you on a different trail yes. is because we believe there is something so much yes. better. Yeah. We believe in real spiritual warfare right. and we believe, I mean, the way uh, Piper talks about it is Christian hedonism, right? Like yeah. John Piper, Yeah. you know, that there is a better end in all of this. And, um, and so we, with hands that serve and love and care yes. and want to listen and wipe tears and feed mm-hmm. are also going to bring mouths that say, there is a better version of humanity and this yes. is the way. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I, I think for me, it's easier to see that uh, even with the analogy of like um, someone who is heavily addicted to drugs and you see them push away family, push away even things that they enjoy, push away friendships, relationships, all to just have this fix. Yeah. And the truth is we're we're all in that same kind of boat. Yeah. But it's with sin and and self, you know, following our own ways yeah. above what God has showed us. And in the same way those who go through rehab and learn to reengage with people, they find a deeper enjoyment of life and uh, things to live for to a much greater degree. That's right. That's right. We have that. I mean the the Christianity I mean, the Judeo-Christian experience, I mean, Jewish history all the way through, is it's not God or money, right. God or sex, right. God or whatever it is, right? It is the means to the most right satisfaction of these gifts yeah. Yeah. is leaning in to the way uh, to, to the to the way in which the person who made them, design them to be utilized. Yes, yeah. And yeah. so uh, w- when Christians talk about, you know, how best to pursue sexuality or how yeah. best to pursue the use of money or how best to pursue right. the use of power or knowledge or w- whatever it is, yeah. um, we're not saying those, we need to let all those go for God. Yeah. We're saying we pursue these things the way that the, the creator of the universe designed them to be yes. created where they can actually lead to what fulfills the most, which is the creator himself. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Christians believe that God desires our deepest good. Yeah. And we trust that. And yeah. so we actually trust the paths that he gives us to our deepest joy and our deepest good. Whereas, you know, the culture, the world, and people who don't follow Jesus, they do not believe that God wants their deepest good. They believe they can find it by following their own desires. Right. In fact, the first lie in the garden. Right. Did God not say, you yeah. know, or, um, or did God really say, did he really yes. mean? Yeah. It's doubting the creators. And yes. Yeah, trusting your version of use yes. of creation over the creators. Yes. And all sin, we really can trace back to that. We're not believing and trusting that God wants our deepest good. So we take things into our own hands. And what we end up doing then is we take the gift of money and resources Mm-hmm. And we turn it from a tool for charity yeah. to hoarding, and yep. and it causes more suffering and more pain. Yeah. Um, and so, why does culture not like love as defined by the Bible or the ways of Christ? Yeah. Like, why does culture fight against that? Uh, because Christianity looks at all of humanity and says, "You do not know the way." Right. Right. Yeah, that's and that tough. really offends people yeah. who want to demand in our very Western modern yeah. egocentric, um, not ego is in, you know, but like ego is in the, the self, the me, yeah. um, you know, in our very egocentered world, we just people hate hearing you do not know the way, right? And right. what you want is not the way, 
Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, really, in all honesty, the journey into Christianity is not a knowing; it's a mm-hmm. humility. Yeah. I mean, knowing is part yeah. of it, a knowledge. Yeah. But it is a. But it, it takes a humble heart. And yeah, that's why the whole like it, you know sinners' prayer. The idea of that is we have to recognize that we don't know in order to change and yeah. to follow someone who does know. So that that is a self humbling. Yeah, that's good. All right. So why does culture not like like love as defined by the Bible? I don't think it's that they don't like loving things like right. feeding the poor, taking care of the homeless, whatever it might be. They don't like that Christians or the gospel in general, um, kind of the main tone of it is we are sinners right. saved only by grace. Yeah. You know, I do not know the way yeah. um, and I must submit to the way maker. And humans hate hearing that. The devil hates hearing that. And right. there's real spiritual warfare around yep. it. Yep. Um, okay, that's good. Did we answer that good I enough? think so. I think that's good, yeah. All right, good. That, that was a good one. Uh, as a parent, so this is the second question, then the middle one. As a parent or grandparent, how do I counter the culture's definition of love with a biblical definition of love? And the way, again, that this came out is uh, grandparents talking about kids who are going to school, going to movies, listening right. to music. I mean, most of their non-Sunday life is yeah. enamored with definitions of love. You know, think of like a rap song yeah, um, of love or honor or that <laughs> it just does not. So how do Christian families yeah. counter that other formation? Yeah. This is yeah. kind of your, a lot of your doctoral I, work has been this. So. I love this. Yeah, yeah. I love this question. I think one of the things we are looking for um, when we ask questions like this is kind of like a silver bullet or something that we can do right now, you know, some action. And there are actions that are helpful and intentional things. But I think one of the strongest things we can do is to model a life that is different, model a life that a value system that is different. So like, Keeping covenants, I mean, that's a huge thing we can do to show um, what true love is. And I I think that's part of God's design. He's much more patient than we are. And obviously measuring the spans of human lives, like as a very short amount of time to God. But for us to keep our word, keep our covenants, keep the commitments that we've made to commit to people, to um, be loyal to people, we are demonstrating Um, a godly version of what love is but every time we don't do that and we demonstrate um, breaking commitments because we don't feel like it um, even divorce you know those things as we demonstrate those things um, it is a lessening of um, yeah a, a lesser demonstration of God's great love and of course he has you know mercy on us and grace for us but we want to um, do our best to partner with God and, and live a long-term obedience in the same direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I, I think, uh, and this is even a prayer. I mean, honestly, I think this can begin even as a prayer. I, I believe, I believe that the Spirit of God can give us wisdom even beyond um, our human capacities. I Absolutely. believe that. And I think that we we really should begin just by going, God, help me to be very aware of the formation engines yes. that are influencing my family and even yes. me. That's so right. like um, my prayer, I mean, even now, Holy Spirit, move in ways that only you can, is that the next time you turn on the TV with your little kids sitting next to you, you're aware right. of what is being formed into them, how to view money, how to view right. sex, how to view themselves, yeah. how to view the world, how to view food, how to view... Yeah. Um, you know, 
And so like, just be aware, pray for a divine awareness of the formation engines. Yeah. You know, when the music, when you hop in the car and you're taking your kid to school yes. and the radio pops on and starts playing, yeah. what is that radio saying about yeah. how you should understand, you yes. know, love as it pertains to girls yeah. or, you know, boys or yeah. self or, so just pray for divine awareness of the formation yeah. engines. Yeah. And then, and then my thought would be, be responsible. Don't just be a victim yeah. to them. That's right. You know, like you take responsibility yeah. and change the channel on yes. the TV or the station yeah. on the radio or the music that you listen to in the areas where you have influence. Yeah. I mean, do not merely be victim to them. Take authority yes. uh, to create countercultural engines that will speak a new a new yeah. value system. Yeah, that makes me think. So first of all, like just good to say, you know, shame is not productive. So any way that we have not done this well in the past, we just kind of let go of that, move on from that and do it right in the future. Yeah. So like we don't, you know, dwell on those things and, and God doesn't need us to do that or want us to do that, but to pursue what is right in the future. And what you're saying exactly what it sounds like to me is kind of the role of a priest. The role of a priest in the temple is to keep unclean things out yeah. and that good things and, and clean things uh, in the old Testament, that's ceremonial. So it's like something that is um, clean and ceremonially pure is yeah. there. And in the new Testament, it's like pure before God, what yeah. is good for us, what is forming us rightly. It's our hearts. Like, yeah, yeah. We yeah. keep those things, our houses and yeah, like you're saying the radio, the TV, we keep those things pure, and that's a way that God's presence dwells with us. Yeah, uh, let's see if I can make some people mad. The uh, <laughs> uh, no, I well, and, and all and all grace and love. I um, so like if you are a part of a sports team, and you have a twelve-year-old son, and you wake up in the morning, and it's a Sunday morning, and you have a sports game that you could go to, yeah, or church that you could go to. Right, 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 and. Uh, in that little mind, now I know in your mind, you're like, well, we're going to be a witness. Or I'm going to teach some secondary yeah. things. Or, yeah. But in that little 12-year-old mind, what team do they see you modeling as most valuable? Right. Um, what team do they see you as your highest level of commitment being given to? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, like it's not that it's wrong to go do a sport. Yeah. Um, and it may not even be wrong to go to a sport on a Sunday morning once in a yeah. while. I'm not even saying that. Yeah. But I'm just saying all of those things say something. Yeah, they do. They all say yeah. something to your children. Yeah. And um, and you are speaking through the million little things that you strategically say yeah. yes or stay no to. Yeah. Um, even what pressure you give into. So if it's yeah. like a sports team that's like, you know, we're number one. We can't let yeah. us down. Don't let us down. Don't yeah. do. You're even modeling to your kids what social pressure matters most. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so, like, I really think as a parent or grandparent, how do you counter the culture's formation engines yeah. um, is you have to pray for a spiritual awareness. Yeah, that's right. Um, that God will give you just a divine awareness to see those things. You've got to take strategic yeses, mm -hmm. make strategic yeses yep. and no's. Um, and then you're going to have to be countercultural. Yeah. Um, the only way to be countercultural is to be countercultural. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. If, so to all of the people that wrote variants of this question, yeah. if you are wanting to be countercultural, all while looking just like the culture, right? you won't. Yeah. Um, at some point, you're going to have to be countercultural by be counting countercultural. Yeah. I, I think Richard Foster, I think it was him who, um, Celebration of Discipline, he like, this might be a good framework for people who want to do this. He split it up between 
um, disciplines of engagement. That's so right. something that I'm going to do. Yeah. And then disciplines of um, like withdrawal Withdraw, yeah. or, or something I'm not going to do. Right. Uh, Walter Brueggemann talks about the practice of Sabbath, like right. a time set aside away from devices with community, um, away from like uh, gaining more and controlling and just being grateful to God. That as actually, he called it resistance. Yeah. Sabbath is resistance to yeah. the ways of the world. So there are things that we choose that we're not going to engage in and they are countercultural formative power yeah. in our life. And then there are things that we choose we are going to engage in yeah. that will be formative. Yeah, for and us. little and, and you know what? You, the grandmas and grandpas, your your teenage grandkids will probably laugh at you or make fun of you a little yeah. bit. Who cares? Yeah, until they understand. That's right. And yeah. so like, you know, when you're when they are popping in the radio or turn the radio on and they switch to a station, it's got a rap song on it that's talking yeah. about using women in a certain way or you know, sex in a certain way. And you're like, no, nope, we don't listen to that in our home. Yeah. And they're like, oh, grandpa, whatever you're, it's like, hey, no, I'm just, I'm telling you, I, I think it's really important that we don't see women that way. Yeah. Or that we yeah. don't see money that way yes. or that we don't see sex that way. Yeah. And, uh, and you can do all that without being condescending, angry yeah, at your child, right. yeah. but just lovingly showing them a better way. Yeah. Um, is really important. So th- be that strategic. Yes. Be that strategic. No, you cannot control everything. Yes. But in those spheres of influence that you do have. Yeah. Take advantage of yep. them. And it does matter. I mean, people seeing their parents and grandparents not do things. I mean, my dad is a great example of this. Yeah. I don't know if he's ever going to listen to this, but um, he like R rated movies just weren't a thing in our house. He yeah. loves animated films. Yeah. I mean, so we watched animated films growing yeah. up, yeah, you know, yeah. and it just wasn't a thing. And for me, like, regardless of what I want to do, that's always in my mind, like that, that was a line he drew. Yeah. So like those things never leave you when you see someone draw lines, it can encourage you. Like I need to make these lines yeah. to protect, you know, my heart. Yeah. Uh, the last piece of this I would say is to guard your heart or family from becoming pharisaical. Right. Um, it hinges on the posture of your heart. Right. So if you do this and it comes through a lens of we're better than all those people yes. yeah, or we're superior to all of the um, no, 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 no. Like it's gotta be through humility. Yep. Um, you know, so, I mean, even if it's driving by a sports field on a Sunday morning and you're on your way to church and your kids yeah. are like, I want to go play there instead of, yeah. it's like, well, we, we are our first team that we're prioritizing on Sunday mornings is, is our church family. Yep. And, uh, again, not always saying that's always the right thing to do, but, uh, to the best of our ability, we're going to make that our top yeah. priority. Yep. And, um, and so we are going to pray for those people and we love them and they matter. Yep. And, um, and, and so like to that posture of humility and the posture of compassion, the posture yeah. of love will guard your heart from becoming pharisaical. Yeah. But the moment it becomes a superiority thing yeah. and the posture of your heart becomes, I'm better than, and we're superior yeah. to, or you belittle or look down upon, um, that's when it can take a good thing and make it an engine of deception in your heart. Yeah. yeah the enemy's going to try to jump on anything, even, even good things. And that's we do right. see that. With like spiritual disciplines, Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, you know, I made the Sabbath for people. That's right. Not people for the Sabbath. So we don't have to serve, you know, the rules, but we can also make these helpful things that guard our hearts and minds. But yeah, the enemy tries to jump on it every turn. Yep. And so be aware of your heart as you do this too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, even like, I don't know. I remember we were listening to a, a song this a few years ago. I think it was Justin Bieber or something. And one of the kids was showing it to me. 
And I was like, man, we need to be praying for Justin. I mean, like how powerful (laughs) would it be if somebody like that just got their heart, like maintaining a posture of love and compassion and, um, and again, love as not permission, but love as in wanting people to join the road that leads them to the greatest joy, Mm -hmm. uh, which only the maker of all things knows how to utilize all things. Um, Okay. Did we get that okay? I think so. Okay, hey, good. We, we ask more questions if we don't. Turn that's in that's right. If we're really plopping yeah, yeah. on this, please do. Uh, okay, so the last question I have then for us today is, I have friends that know what I believe and they know that I care about them, mm-hmm. right? So this, uh, some of these questions come through the lens of like a parent to a, a wayward child. Yeah. The, the kid knows that they are loved and the kid knows that what the parents believe them, you know, what the truth mm-hmm. is. Um, and so, and when one of the questions came from, uh, a, a friend and then another variant to this is like coworkers, right? Right. Okay. So I have friends slash coworkers or child that know what I believe and they know that I care. They strongly disagree with me. Yeah. What's next? Yeah. And it, it makes me think of, um, I think it's Proverbs 25, a word fitly spoken in due season. Oh, yeah. It's like apples of gold and settings of silver. Is, um, I mean, I the reason I think of that is because I think I am more prone to have the word fitly spoken than the due season. Yeah. And I think those two things together are really important, and it really requires us to trust God and to ask God for opportunities and then to listen so like God may have that, you know, years go by before anything yeah. we can do, you know, yeah. or, or anything we can change actually occurs, you know, yeah. we might have to be patient. We might have to wait, but the recognition that God is working, that he is moving behind the scenes and the preparation to say like, I am ready, you know, to, to be used for you. I'm ready to be there for somebody if they need it. You know, I feel like that's a lot of what we can do in this. Yeah. Yep. I, I, the, the things that pop in my mind, you know, one of them is, uh, time just because things take time do not mean that they're failures. Right. Or it's not working or it's not working. The second thing that pops into my mind too. So there is like a, just a, a faithfulness, a steadiness to stay in that, uh, make sure that they, you know, know that you really do care about them. And, uh, and in the right wise rhythms before the Lord and council, they also know the right next road that they could take if they wanted to pursue the right thing. Um, so, but like, and it, and it can take time. I think that's Mm -hmm. part of it. The the other thing that comes to my mind is like the parable, the seeds and the sower. I mean, like, yeah, that's right. Not everybody is going to respond to this well. Yeah. And even your faithfulness to represent God, yep. you're faithful to that piece. You are not faithful or a failure based on how they respond to it. Yeah, it's not your responsibility. Their it's eternal theirs. decision yeah. is their eternal decision. Yeah. Uh, your faithfulness to honor the word, both by yeah. loving individuals and by you know going to the world and make disciples, yeah. literally sharing the truth and raising people in the in the truth. Uh, it's your job. So we, in our hearts, we want to marry the two. If it yeah. works, I'm honoring God. If it doesn't work, I failed God. Yeah, that's right. But you can do it and really honor the Lord and have it not work. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you have to be faithful with what God has given you. And really, God is the one who's given 
e- us each our own choices. Yeah, we that's have right. our own faithfulness, our own choices. So yeah, if another person is not responding, like we we pray for them and yeah. we ask that God make an opportunity that He ordain a, a meeting, a moment, an understanding, yeah. and then we trust Him yeah. to do that. And and I think the other the other side of that coin is um, you don't want to you don't want to not care. Right. right. I mean, it's like, it's not right. my responsibility. Right. And they just kind of pass the walk away. Like yep. we want to care. Yeah. Uh, we want to weep for Jerusalem as Jesus did. That's right. Um, yeah. All knowing that Jerusalem is not going to choose him. Yeah. Um, like Jesus knew their outcome, which is yeah. part of why he was weeping. Yeah. Oh, that you would gather underneath yes. my, like, so, um, or that I could gather you like, yeah. and so like just that whole idea that they, the decision is theirs and that's just part of it. They won't mm-hmm. always receive it well. Yeah. And sometimes it can take a long time. The, uh, the other thing that comes to my mind too is, I, again, I just really, truly, fully believe that the Bible, we are not mere students of history. Right. This is real. Yeah. The Bible yeah. is real. The word Absolutely. is real. Spiritual yeah. warfare is real. Yep. And I think um, if like, especially with a parent to a child, maybe your next right step is with your small group or with your discipleship group, um, go, hey, would one of you, two of you just begin to fast and pray with me for yep. this person? Yep. Um, it doesn't have to be a child, but yeah. um, battle on the spiritual front too. Yes. Yep. Go before the Lord in prayer. Yep. Um, as the, the we come from the, the holiness movement yeah. and the circuit rider holiness people used to literally pray the hounds of heaven, do whatever yes. it takes, God. Yes. Um, and that's a scary prayer, whatever yeah. it takes to yeah. break a heart. Yeah. Um, but do whatever it takes to save my son or save my loved one or whatever it might be. And I would say go go to prayer, yeah, um, and faithfully pray. Get people to fast with you. Um, yeah, I, I like huge. I like that balance that you were saying too, just to give people confidence of you know what it looks like to to do that faithfully. Like there is this, there's a ditch on both sides of everything, and then there's this kind of middle ground. So there's a ditch on one side of like taking control. Like I want to make this person's decision for them, and so we recognize like we can't do that. You know, we can care a lot, but we can't take control. We trust God there. And then the ditch on the other side is like, well, not my responsibility. I don't have anything to do with it. Yeah. So there is this middle ground where it's like, I do care. I do have something to do with it, but it's not in my control and I have to trust God with it. Yeah. It's this weird kind yeah. of middle ground. And I think that's where I really think the only way to stay in the the middle ground is intercession. Yeah. It's where we offer God the deep cares of our hearts in prayer. And yeah. that is what keeps us in the middle ground. Yeah, that's right, man. Posture of our heart um, is is very, very, very important before the Lord. I agree. And so like, to, I mean, to kind of answer the question, I have friends that know what I believe, right? So they're not right. hiding under a bushel. They're not just yep. hiding it. Yep. Um, and uh, and they know that I care. They're not being jerks online, just yep. writing hate comments. Um, they are sharing what they believe and they're loving people to the best of their ability. And this individual is not responding in a way that yeah. they would desire. I think we hit it on the pray. We're going to yeah. pray for these people. Yeah. Uh, maybe have your small group, your D group pray and fast with them yeah. too. Uh, it's okay if it takes a long time of yes. just faithfulness. Yeah. Um, that's okay. And, and know that you can't control yeah. the decisions they make. Yeah. And you very well with us, a coworker might end up before the Lord one day and God's like, well done, good and faithful servant. Yes. And you're like, but they didn't choose. Yeah. And God's like, you, yeah, you, you were faithful you yes, yeah. um, to the best of your ability. And so do not marry effectiveness to your faithfulness. The yes. effectiveness belongs to the God, yep. um, and you choose to be faithful even in that. Yeah, and it, it, it's really encouraging to know that 
God is always playing both sides of of the field here. Oh, yes. So, like, while we are praying, like, God is working things out in us, whether we see it or not. And then God is also, you know, uh, let's say, honoring those prayers to work on behalf of the other person. Yeah. So, like, he's playing both sides here. He's so wise and good. That's so good. I, I love that, man. And I just thank you. Um, for writing these questions. Yeah. Um, I really mean that. Thank you. And yeah. I mean, with fear and trembling, we want to work out our faith right. uh, together. And and we're still working this Absolutely. out. Absolutely. Um, when sometimes, even in the last couple of weeks, when you ask questions like, wow, Lord, how yeah. do I honor you in this? And so we will do our best. Keep listening into the messages. Yeah. Keep, um, you know, coming to the services and, and, and keep engaging and keep asking yeah. questions. And let's do whatever we can uh, to move ever further into the love and light of Christ. Amen. And so, uh, yeah. So, man, Josh, thanks for again for playing Absolutely. this with me. And um, thank you so much for writing your questions. And uh, yeah, so tune in this next Sunday and continue to listen to the sermons. And then as God works in your heart, ask questions and we'll just keep growing together. Thanks so much for joining the Made For More podcast. Hope you guys have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your week.